Fairbank Moore and his family were the first Brattleboro settlers north of Fort Dummer in 1757. A plaque placed by the Daughters of the American Revolution recognizes their settlement on what is now the Retreat Farm property. John Arms and family later settled the same land in 1762 after the French and Indian War ended. Looking northeast from the Moore settlement, the flooded Retreat Meadows are visible. Before the Vernon Dam was built in 1909, the Meadows was farmland for the Retreat. Prior to the coming of the English in the 1700s, the Retreat Meadow was Abenaki land. The confluence of the West and Connecticut Rivers served as a seasonal fishing location. The Meadows provided good farmland for the Abenaki, and Native Americans used this area as a rendezvous and meeting place. The original site of the Center Congregational Church, the Comet is now the site of many public events throughout the year. It includes several monuments to honor Brattleboro's participation in wars and conflicts. The Civil War Memorial dominates the common. Burnham House, 1854. This two-and-a-half-story building has the feel of a southern home. It is surrounded on three sides by a deep porch with an intricate metal and wood balustrade. This was the home of John Burnham, the owner of a local brass foundry. The addition on the south side was built in 1910 as a doctor's office. The Wells Fountain was placed at the head of Main Street in 1890 on land donated by the Carpenter family. The Carpenters had owned an organ company and sold it to Jacob Esty earlier in the century and also owned a mansion at the corner where the fountain was erected. The fountain marks the spot where nationally known sculptor Larkin Mead created a snow angel on New Year's Eve, 1856. The ephemeral sculpture created a sensation and was subsequently reproduced in marble. That work is on view at the Brooks Memorial Library. Mead's brother, William, designed the granite foundation to commemorate the event. William Mead, a famous architect who had grown up in Brattleboro, lived in New York City. William Wells, a New York City businessman who also grew up in Brattleboro, paid for the materials and construction of the fountain that bears his name. The fountain is Italian in style and in 1890 provided water for weary horses at the north end of Main Street. The people who designed, constructed, and paid for the monument said they were making an artistic donation to Brattleboro as a tribute to the wonderful years they spent growing up in town. Wells Fountain continued to exist peacefully until 1932 when the Hamilton family, who had bought the Carpenter Mansion, decided to build a gas station on the site of the Wells Fountain. Land was graded and paved around the fountain, and for the next 55 years, the fountain dodged traffic as cars pulled in and out of the gas station located right behind the monument. In the 1980s, the state of Vermont wanted to build a courthouse on the land near the fountain. In 1984, town manager Corwin Elwell helped organize townspeople who were in favor of saving the fountain. But it wasn't until local lawyer John Carnahan became involved in 1987 that the fountain was taken apart, relocated, and put back together in the present safe location away from traffic. The present park was created from private donations in 1988 to highlight the fountain. 
Mr. Carnahan is a founding member of the Brattleboro Historical Society. This impressive Gothic revival building was Brattleboro High School until 1951. The stone band around the side of the building is carved with the years of the various high school classes. A close look at the brick walls reveals black traces of the pattern left by the ivy each class planted beneath their year of graduation. Brooks Memorial Library. The library houses a fine collection of 19th century paintings, sculpture, including works by Daniel Chester French, Larkin Mead, and William Morris Hunt, and historical artifacts. The library has a self-guided brochure with a walking tour of the artwork. The library is also an excellent source of information for those interested in genealogy and town history. John Burnham's foundry was located on this spot before the library was built. The foundry worked with brass, silver, and gold. Number seven is All Souls Unitarian Church, 1875. This Victorian-style church is built almost entirely of stone quarried across the river near the top of Wantasticate Mountain. Today, the building houses a performance space, the church. Most of the original stained glass windows and painted murals are still intact. The Post Office, 1916. This building replaced two private residences. On the south side, the parking lot was the site of the original Brooks Library. Brattleboro is the site of the first gummed postage stamp issued in the United States in 1847. Approximately 500 were printed. Most of these were destroyed when the federal government decided to print its own stamps that same year. Only about 50 of the Brattleboro stamps are known to exist. Center Congregational Church, 1842. Originally built in 1816 on the town common, the building was taken apart and reconstructed at its present location in 1842. The steeple tower you see replaced the original, which was destroyed by a storm in 1864. The clock is the original town clock, moved from the common in 1864 and renovated in 2010. Just south of the Congregational Church was the Clap House. It was built by Asahel Clap, a carpenter by trade, who came to Brattleboro in 1831. He built his house as a model home. It was constructed of brick and had the distinction of being the first home to have both a furnace and a bathroom. The house stood until 1965 when it was raised to make room for the addition to the Congregational Church. Number 10, the First Baptist Church. First Baptist Church, 1870. This classic example of high Victorian Gothic architecture has two entry towers, a high central tower, and pointed arches over the windows and doors. The architect who designed this church also designed the Brooks House and the All Souls Church. Facing the street is a large stained glass window entitled Christ Before the Doctors. It was designed by Tiffany Studios of New York and paid for by the SD Organ Company. Prior to the coming of electricity, the window was illuminated from the inside with gas lamps. There is one more Tiffany Studios window in the upper story of the back of the building. Its mate 
was sold to finance church financial assistance for the homeless in 2010. Number 11, Brown and Roberts Hardware Store, 1929. This structure was built as a Montgomery Ward store in 1929 on the site of the Four Chimney Jonathan Hunt House. The medallion in the top center of the facade appeared on many Montgomery Ward stores and was designed by J. Massey Find of New York. It is called Progress Lighting the Way for Commerce. The same figure as a gilded weather vane was placed on top of Montgomery Ward's Chicago headquarters in 1903. The department store operated in this building until 1975. Attached to the building on the south side is a former A&P grocery store, also constructed in 1929. Brooks House. Brooks House, 1872. The former hotel was constructed by George Brooks after a catastrophic fire destroyed the entire west side of Main Street. Brooks was also the benefactor of the town library, which is named after him. The 80-room luxury hotel was lavishly furnished. It had a 40-foot-long, two-story cast-iron entrance and veranda along Main Street. You can see for yourself how large the porch and veranda were if you look for the base of the iron columns along the curb to see. The cast iron columns around the building's corner are spanned by granite. Most of the commercial buildings downtown were constructed this way, but the columns were later taken out so store owners could install larger windows. In April of 2011, a fire temporarily damaged major portions of this historic building. Crosby Block, 1870. Edward Crosby built the block after an 1869 fire destroyed every building between Elliott and High Streets on the west side of Main Street. It begins on the corner of Elliott Street and heads north to the Brooks House. Crosby was born in Brattleboro in 1815. He grew up with his mother in Marlborough, Vermont, in relative poverty and worked for others. At 16, he headed into Brattleboro and worked for a few years as a laborer for local Main Street businesses, but returned to Marlboro and went back to working on farms. He eventually married, bought a farm of his own, had two children, and lived in Marlboro until he was 33. In 1848, he moved to West Brattleboro and began farming there. He also bought into a milling business in Centerville. By the 1850s, the milling business was profitable enough that he sold the farm. For a few years, the flour milling business was very successful, and Edward traveled to western New York to purchase and transport wheat with oxen and by canal. With the coming of the railroads and cheaper transported flour from the west, profits in local milling operations began to fall, and Edward Crosby sold his flour mill and went into the wooden barrel making business. It was not successful, and by 1857, he was bankrupt. He joined partners and bought a large flour mill next to the railroad tracks near Main Street. He saw that the future was in the transportation of cheap flour shipped by rail from the west, and in 1860, he sold his interest in the local mill. Edward Crosby became the eastern distributor of flour mills in Ohio, and later, Michigan, Minnesota, Illinois, and Canada. You know it as gold medal flour. Edward Crosby was Gold Medal Flowers' New England distributor. 
He went from selling 20,000 barrels of flour a year to over 190,000 barrels. In 1869, a devastating fire destroyed the businesses on the west side of Main Street from Elliott to High Streets. Brattleboro's financial leaders contacted investors throughout New England in hopes of finding someone who might have the capital to revitalize the downtown area, but eight months went by and no one offered to help the town. In July 1870, Edward Crosby stepped forward, bought much of the burnt business district along Main Street, and placed an order for one million locally produced bricks. His company then processed and proceeded to build the Crosby Block. It was the beginning of the Brattleboro we know today. Vermont Savings Bank Block, 1935, 151 to 153 Main Street. Renovated in 1935 with extensive reconstruction to the front of the building, the Vermont Savings Bank occupied this building throughout its history. A merger with the Vermont National Bank in the 1950s caused the bank to leave the building. Subsequently, it has been used for offices. <laughs> 